0: You can either work in the business or you can work on the business. They have the knowledge and the skill to be successful. Yesterday is gone and tomorrow has yet to come. Dive all in on the next chapter of your life. Hi everyone, this is Greg Alexander, the host of the ProServe podcast, brought to you by Collective 54, the first community dedicated to founders of small service firms who are trying to grow, scale, and maybe someday sell their firms. On today's episode, we are continuing in a series, and the series is around the mechanics of selling your firm, and we've been breaking down each of the individual items, and today we're going to take a big bite into a juicy topic called due diligence. And uh, if you haven't been through an exit before, you might think you know what due diligence is, but um, trust me, having been there and done that, you don't. It's uh, There's a lot to it. We have a fantastic member with us today, Collective Fifty Four member. His name is Jay Smith. Jay is well liked, well liked, well respected. He's been with us for a long time. He successfully exited his firm, Security Seven, and uh, went through due diligence. And he's lived to tell about it. So he's going to share some of his wisdom with us today. So Jay, it's good to see you. Thanks for being here.
1: Great, great being here, Greg. Thanks again for uh, for allowing me to to pontificate here about something that we were so passionate about maybe just uh, 14 months ago.
0: Yeah. So why don't we start with the very, you know, basic first question, which is, you know, what is due diligence and when does it start and when does it end?
1: Um, So I probably have two answers to the due diligence start and stop. Um, I think technically most people would consider due diligence to start right after a signed letter of intent between the buyer and the seller. And it probably ends And for most people's, you know, timeline uh, at the conclusion of the the deal when you sign your security purchase agreement. From my perspective, though, we hired an investment banker and there was a, a, a due diligence prep, which felt like due diligence at the time going through it for the first time, where we were, you know, pretty much interrogated by our investment banker on what our financials had in it in some of the stories behind it. And then, you know, from the from the end of that time period, I really felt like due diligence still still um you know continued to go after the security purchase agreement um into the time when networking capitals were kind of all taken care of as well as escrow amounts were all taken care of, right? So there was another period of diligence that happened after the after the close. So you know, my my experience was I I looked at it from an elongated standpoint because I was still being tested by a third party. Um but I think most people would consider it, you know, just after LOI and just at its signing of a security purchase agreement. I,
0: I love your definition. So before the banker gets hired, the banker's scrubbing you. That is a form of due, due, due diligence. And there's a traditional sense, you know, between LOI and close. And then, you know, if there are some contingencies on the deal, you know, escrow, whatever it is, um, it continues after the transaction. So that's that's a really good way of framing that up. So Jay, in your case, you know, if you were to think back on it. How many months did you know from start to finish did that last?
1: Uh, we hired our investment banker um, tail end of um, uh, December of twenty one, uh, and we finished up our agreement, um, you know the the signed security purchase agreement on eight thirty one. So probably probably a good, strong eight months. Um, and then after that, um, you know escrow lasted you know two chunks twelve months afterwards. yeah. So you're probably looking at maybe 24-ish or so months, kind of tip to tail.
0: Yeah. It, it can be a beast. So what are, you know, and maybe, and keep in mind that our audience are people that haven't been through an exit before. So maybe a, a one-on-one answer here is, is suffice. What are the basic components of due diligence? Um,
1: there were there was probably the, the, the finance side was first. Um, and I think um, from what I've learned is finance was first because it's the least costly. And if the finance mechanics don't make sense, then they'll never get to the more costly phase, which is the legal side of it. So there was a, a financial side for sure. There was um, the legal side. And then there was uh, you know, customer satisfaction and uh, employee satisfaction was something that was big with the, uh, the buying firm for us. So those were probably the, the, the major buckets. Um each one of those buckets had various team members and it was cross pollination of teams. Hmm. So legal folks had four team members, our legal team had four, you know, our investment banker had three, our finance team had two. Um, so you know, and then there was cross pollination of teams. Our CPA was talking to the tax lawyer. Yeah. You know.
0: Let's um let's break down each of these components for finance, legal, customer set, employee set. So what what was in the finance bucket?
1: um from a from a finance bucket obviously all your p l stuff um you know probably three to five years i think they were looking back uh forecast uh was a was a pretty strong um component of it um they are looking at um any tax returns that you've got you know both federal state uh various state levels um from our perspective we're a a managed security service provider we had a rental practice and and a resale practice maybe not like some of the other members um, but there was tax and nexus considerations is part of ours um, in the legal bucket um, they were looking at anything that we've ever signed um, any vendor contracts um, any client contracts uh, they're looking for assignability which we made sure that we had in our our contracts if there was a majority share of our company that was sold we could assign without written permission from our client so that was something big, um, mm-hmm. you know, it was very transferable. Um, is, is it, is it, um, let's see, uh, the deal structure was something that was in the legal bucket for sure. There was various ways that we could have transacted the business, whether it was a share purchase or an asset purchase. Mm-hmm. Um, ours was kind of a combination of both. So there was a share purchase, um, but we ended up, um, making a holding company which made the transaction uh, legally a little bit more complicated, but it kind of took the best of each one of those, Um, you know, um, buyer didn't have significant um, uh, backward looking ramifications and there was some tax breaks for doing it as well.
0: And what was in the customer bucket in the education and the uh, employee bucket? Excuse me.
1: Yeah. Sorry, I forgot those two, but uh, from a customer perspective, um, uh, they started sending surveys out to our clients that were um, just uh, a customer satisfaction a rating service.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, from the employee side, probably pretty similarly. Um, this employee side um, also had some interviews of some key employees um, towards the tail end of the transaction, right? So we were hesitant um, to, to show our employees, you know, that we were gonna be transacting until we were reasonably convinced that this was gonna happen. Um, We segmented out some employees from others. You know, some of the, some of the, I won't call call the top performers, but some of the ones that were going to be more coveted, possibly in the new organization, mm-hmm. um, were going to be interviewed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, managerial status. You know, kind of an above. Um, but there were, you know, it was it was a, a fair amount of diligence, and it's uh, you know, as an owner, it's very very uncomfortable, yeah. the whole way, right? You know, now you're 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 showing your cards, yeah, um, and there's a There were questions, you know, from, you know, I have two partners and there were question marks about the timing of when you show which cards, Mm. Um, you know, buyers encouraging all cards to be showed. I'm sorry, the seller. Mm. I'm sorry, the buyers encouraging all cards to be shown and we didn't want to show them all. I particularly didn't want to show them all um, in due time. So there was some, uh, not wrestling matches, but there was some uh, postponement of certain interviews at, at certain times.
0: Okay. And let's talk about the players involved, and we can stay with this kind of four-bucket structure. So on the finance side, who was involved from your end, um, and then who was involved from the buyer's end?
1: From our end, we outsourced finance. You know, we're a 14-person firm, so, you know, we didn't have as much um, in-house as we did, um, you know, outside. So our CPA was involved, who was, you know, kind of in a controller role. Uh, controller role. Uh, we had to outsource finance that worked for him. Um, unfortunately they gave notice right during the transaction um, in July of the transaction. So that, you know, had a level of additional, um, you know, it complicated things additionally. Um, I was involved in the finance element of it. Um, you know, my, the, my partners and I agreed that I was going to take prime on the transaction. They were going to continue to work in the business. I was going to work on the business. Um, so that, you know, you still want the business to be going and moving forward as you're trying to transact. So that put a lot of pressure on, you know, what tasks you're going to be doing. Um, From the the acquiring organization, um, they had all of their, um, you know, their accounting firm completely engaged. And then they had some people on inside their firm. So it was outside and inside doing diligence on, you know, our financials. Um, Those firms were much larger than our firms were and their firm was much larger than ours was. So it's almost sometimes like you're getting hit a little bit by a Mack truck, you know, the the requests <laughs> that are coming in are significant and we didn't have, you know, we didn't have institutionally all the KPI data that they were looking for. Yeah. So we're trying to scurry to, you know, create it um you know best we could. Yeah. Um and they realized it, but they still, you know, you want what you want, you know, you've got a checklist item that you need to check. Yep.
0: And how about on the legal side, who was involved from your perspective and from their perspective?
1: yeah so they had uh they had a deal lead on their side uh they were pretty significantly involved and then uh we had three lawyers actually four lawyers involved we got a tax lawyer that did a cameo and then we had you know the 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 prime lawyer you know his second chair and then a, a pretty distant third chair so you know costs that are, that were involved were significant and you know the 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 prime took only the most you know most challenging parts spots where it had the the most visibility, most liability to it. And then, you know, more of the grunt work was done by the third chair and kind of everything in between. Uh, From their side, they had, um, you know, they had their legal firm um, much larger than ours as well. So, you know, there were some, um, you know, there were some um, requests made and the the deal size um, or our deal team was only so large they could handle so much at once. Mm -hmm. Um, We did have a pretty good benefit um, from, you know, from the acquirer. In that this was, we're part of a roll-up and part of a platform play, so we're a bolt-on. And they had gone through these um, contracts um, previously with a number of different organizations. So a lot of the wrinkles that we might have seen um, have already got ironed out because other owners, you know, know, former owners had sold their organization. So they, you know, what we got was a pretty good base to start with. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't, you know, wrestling over every single legal sentence.
0: Got it. And then regarding the, the customer diligence and the employee diligence, who was involved there?
1: Um, that was mostly the acquiring firm. Um, they they reached out. Uh, they got a list of some of our top, you know, N accounts, top 20 accounts. Uh, they put a survey together. They reached out directly. Um, and then they followed up with some conversation to have some interviews. Um, none of this was in the guise that the firm was being acquired. This was all in. Um, you know, um, you know, we, we hired a customer satisfaction team and we wanted to see how we were doing.
0: Yep. And did all this take place virtually or were these people camped out at your offices?
1: Uh, most of it was done virtually. So this was all like, you know, during COVID time, you know, COVID was probably winding down, but it was still, um, all done virtually. Uh, there was a a concept of a virtual data room Mm. where, um, there were, there was, um, the front lobby, maybe, of the data room, and then there's the, the the back office part of the data room. So we were uploading everything um, into the back office first. Our investment banker would scrub it, and then they would put it into the into the front lobby for you know the acquiring organization to see, you know, scrubbed you know scrubbed information. Make sure that we didn't say or do something that was incorrect. Yeah, um, really important to understand that the investment banker was part of every single conversation. That they, they were really um uh, up to their eyeballs in it. and it not to say that the other two organizations weren't, but the the investment banker was uh was absolutely critical in this. Can't can't recognize you know, can't recognize them highly enough.
0: Yeah. Especially, you know, as a small firm like yours, you are gonna be a bolt on. Um and you've never been through an exit before. I mean if you just think about the way you described this, you know, if I was used to sports analogy you know, here you were a high school football team playing against the University of Alabama, right? I mean, it was like, like, it could be overwhelming. I could see very, very, very quickly. And that's why having somebody, an M&A advisor, investment banker to marshal you through the process is so incredibly important. All right. You know, Greg, to
1: bring up another important point of the investment banker, they're a part-time uh, psychotherapist as well. <laughs> um, you know, deal fatigue for me, um, you know, I, I actually broke down a couple times mm-hmm. with just Flat out exhaustion, and I just couldn't handle putting together one more redo of a spreadsheet. Um, so, you know, these people go through this every single day. So, having somebody in your corner that's gonna, you know, get you a ten dollar copay. Actually, the, the copay was far more expensive than ten dollars, but
0: it was, <laughs> it was worth the dollar of it. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Jay, last question for you on this, and this has been very helpful to kind of mechanically break down this concept of due diligence. And of course, we'll dive into much greater detail when we have the member session, but. Any, uh, any mistakes that you advise people to avoid?
1: Um, I I think we were fortunate that we were able to, um, mistakenly avoid it, but you know, you you really have to understand that this is a team selling concept. And I think as professional services organization, we probably understand that, that there's maybe a creative person and maybe there's a a salesperson, outside salesperson, inside salesperson, but you've got a team in place, a project coordinator. Um, but this is this is team selling on steroids, you know, at least from my perspective. You've got your internal team, you know, your partners, your employees that are helping. You've got these investment bankers. You've got your lawyers. You've got, you know, the, the CPA people, CPA. This is well-coordinated. And, you know, and, and then the team expands into the acquiring organization and then their set of professionals. So, you know, it, it gets... It gets pretty splattered where the lawyers are working with the lawyers, and the accountants are working with the accountants. But then the accountants are working with you, and then they're working with your lawyers, and they're working with their lawyers. Yeah. So trying to manage a team, we were fortunate that the investment banker was new um, to us, but the other two people had been with us and had the chops to be able to handle a deal. Mm-hmm. So you know we were fortunate that we trusted two of the three arms, um, and that everybody worked really, really well together.
0: Yeah. All right. And then what I would add uh, here is that sometimes first-time founders, and I was one and made this mistake myself, we think the deal is done when you get an LOI. That's the starting line, not the finish, oh, yes. finish line. <laughs> and you got to be able to make it through diligence. And a lot of deals, 50% of them is the estimate fall apart post-LOI because the firm that's being bought can't make it through diligence. And it's hard. And there's a lot to it. And, um, uh, You know, the good news is, is that if you put together the right team, as Jay did, uh, you can make it through it, and the effort's worth it because it's life transforming, you know, when the deal actually happens. But just, uh, you know, go into this, members, with your eyes wide open. It's hard to sell a firm, and it's especially hard to get through diligence. So, Jay, uh, on behalf of the members you really appreciate you um, walking us through this in the way that we did. This will open lots of people's eyes, and sometimes peeling the onion a few layers is, is important to understand what these concepts are So, So thanks a bunch.
1: Thanks, Greg. Thanks for having me.
0: Okay. All right. Just a couple things here before we leave. Um, so first, if you're a member and you want to ask Jay questions directly, look for the meeting invite for our uh, private one-hour Q&A with him that's coming shortly. If you're not a member, but you think you might want to be, go to collective54.com and fill out an application. We'll get in contact with you. And uh, if you just want to learn more about topics like this, check out my book, The Boutique, How to Start, Scale, and Sell a Professional Services Firm, which you can find on Amazon. But until next time, I wish you the best of luck as you try to grow, scale, and exit your firm.